You remember your stories with the kind of detail no one else has. Don't take them with you when you go, share them. I'm Christy Bridges from One Moment Wiser. Click follow to hear true stories worth remembering and send me a message if you have a story you'd like to tell. Hello, welcome to One Moment Wiser. This is Christy Bridges and oh, you need to call your friends and your family and everybody do a watch party on this interview. I sat in church Wednesday night in a really interesting group that our church has begun to do, which I think every church should do. Um, And this guest, Kara Mosby, shared with us things that just like everything she said, my brain went, oh, I've been there. Oh, I've been there. Oh, we need to change that. And it was, yes. So if you ever have times with your family or your friends or people at work or even strangers where suddenly you're in a conversation and all of a sudden you frozen up and you just want the conversation to stop or you find yourself getting louder, um, then this discussion is for you. So set aside your distractions and tune in. So I'm going to introduce uh, Kara a little bit so you understand who she is and what she does. Uh, First of all, I'm Christy Bridges from One Moment Wiser, if you've never watched one of these. And Kara is Kara Mosby from The Trove. She is actually um, got an online fabric or a clothing store because she has a passion for ethical fashion. Now she comes from the nonprofit world where she worked for 12 years with men and women struggling with homelessness and addiction. And so she's not just about fashion. She's about empowering people to support themselves and to live healthy, good lives and take care of their families. Kara also recognizes in the fashion industry that there's a whole lot of pollutants that come from this industry. And so her sources that she gets her clothing from are zero waste sources, zero waste, ethically run, empowering people. I mean, how do you not do this, right? So Kara, I'm going to let you tell more about that in a little bit. But first of all, let's talk about why I got so excited on Wednesday night. So Wednesday night, we met at a group called Reflect at Believer's Church in Tulsa. And this group is brand new, but you and another couple have begun leading this group to help Christians, to help us in the body, learn to communicate with one another without ignoring the difficult topics like politics and without uh, expecting everybody to believe the same way we do. You've actually begun giving us space to practice having conflict, having contradictory opinions and learning more about one another and increasing our relationships 
through that. And I'm so grateful that you've been doing that. What got you into that kind of thing? You, you went from, from fashion into helping people learn to communicate. Why? Um, well, thanks for having me on. I, how did I get into this topic with reflect? That is hard. Um, so one of the things I think outside the box most of the time. And so I am usually listening to all sides of the story and I've just kind of learned that, um, if I want to have friends, I have to be okay with thinking differently and us being okay in relationship. And uh, one of the things I was teaching on this week was that we keep relationship bigger than the problem. So that's, yeah, I feel like if I'm going to have friends, I've got to learn how to have the hard conversations and still keep our ability to be relational on. And I really learned that through a ministry called Thrive, um, where they teach you the basics of what we call 19 relational skills for healthy relationships from relationship with God to relationship with other people and relationship with self. Um, so yeah, I've been through their three year training and I know I think you put in the notes transforming fellowship talks about the 19 relational skills and they are golden. So nice. So let me back up. You worked with thrive and you learn 19 relational skills. Now, I thought I knew everything about relationships. <laughs> like four skills, I swear. Um, <laughs> like yeah. Make people laugh, hug people when they need it, feed people, and <laughs> try not to get loud, right? Um, so 19 relationship skills. And mm -hmm. so you learn about that in Thrive. And... Um, was that something that you used in working, you know, in ministry with the homelessness and addiction? Oh, yeah, definitely. Because, you know, when, um, when you're growing up, you should learn healthy relationship skills from your main caregiver or your, um, your parents. They should be passing those skills on to you. So, um, we're going to talk about relational circuits tonight, and we call that like skill zero. Um, but then skill one is to share joy. And joy comes from eye contact, smiling, showing someone that you're glad to be with them. And, I mean, you think of an infant when they're born, they come out and they you hand them to mom. And how we were designed, mom should go, <sighs> and that child has done nothing except for B, but yet mom is smiling into that child's face and saying, you are worth and value. Um, so she's passing on joy to them. So when um, most of the time in addiction recovery, for sure, the men and women that I've worked with, they don't have those relational skills. And so even telling them that I'm glad to be with you is can be life transforming for them. And then the other skills that it goes through are just the foundation that they need to live, that we all need to live a life of recovery. So, so often we, you're right, we either learn, um, don't learn the right skills from our family or family, 
you know, treats us in such a way that that what we do learn is the opposite of everything they try to teach us. And in either case, there's there's a healthier way. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we end up in addiction or alone with no support because we've learned behaviors that that push people away, Mm -hmm. um, that isolate us. And so I'm so glad that you you're teaching skills that can help us, you know, everybody communicate better. But I can see where you're coming from that, that, you know, we can persist in what's always been normal for us mm-hmm. and possibly end up driving people away yeah. or we can try something that takes a little work and is a little uncomfortable yeah for but sure. helps us to grow relationships and also to minister to others mm-hmm. i i have an example of that i years ago my current husband and i uh, 24 years, totally God, man. Um, but we had gotten to the point where, you know, I was always doing my own thing. He was doing his own thing. We were just kind of living in the same house and, uh, you know, eating meals occasionally together to catch up. And um, I read this book. I think it was women, what men wish women knew about men, or I don't know, it was some kind of book. Um, And I read this. And one of the things that I learned from that was to light up when my husband came Mm -hmm. in the room, little tiny trick, but it's exactly what you're just talking about. The mom looking at her baby going, you know, and when we light up, in recognition of someone, instead of staring at our phones and talking to them while we do things and, um, you know, never looking them in the face, when we light up that nurtures that relationship that re-sparks something. And um, that happens with strangers too. Boy, I tell you what, Mm -hmm. when you're your checkout person realizes that you're actually looking at them for a second, (laughs) you know, that just, it warms people. So that's a, that's a neat trick that you've already shared with us. Yeah. why does it matter that people who aren't in dire situations, you know, who aren't dealing with addiction, who aren't homeless, um, or who aren't, you know, alone, why does it matter if you have so, some friends that you learn how to talk about deeper things with them and actually things that are uncomfortable? That's a good question. Um, why is it important? Oh, I could go at several directions. So many directions, right? We've actually found a really our my husband and I have found um, so Zach and Lauren who led on mediation the week before I led. Um, they're some of our dearest friends, and I have learned so much from them on. Okay, this is what this is how I see the world and how I'm experiencing it. Is that the same from you? Because my my experience of the world is my experience of the world. Now there's definitely truth, hardcore truth. Um, but how we experience the world, how we experience life is different. And so to only see it from my point of view or to only surround myself with people who look and think and 
work and do all the same things that I do is um, not giving me even a full, beautiful picture of God's creation, right? So our family is huge on hanging out with people from all over the world. And the thing we love about it is that they know something about Jesus that I don't know because he is celebrated and worshiped in their culture in a different way than he is in mine. And so understanding them helps bring more life and full life to even my faith journey. So did that answer your question? It kind of went off a little bit. (laughs) That is just beautiful to me. No, you're exactly right. It opens up our world to other possibilities we wouldn't have thought of, other ways of of looking even at at God, um, which is, I think that's wonderful. How can we not appreciate that? Some of the things that I found too is that at some point um, you're going to discover that someone you know doesn't think like you. Yeah, we have for this. Sure. Uh, I did a series on heuristics a long time ago where it's our brain's little autopilot functions. Mm-hmm. And there's a heuristic, the illusion of transparency that, that mm-hmm. makes us think that once we've asked all those initial questions and gotten to know someone, we stop asking questions because we start to assume that we're exactly alike because the yeah. initial getting to know someone is all about finding the things we have in common. We come home and you know, we have so much in common. <laughs> you know? Know, right? And uh, then we stop seeking differences. And then someday we're totally stunned to mm-hmm. find out that this person isn't exactly like us. That actually thinks that people should behave differently than we do, or that you know people should believe differently than we do, and um, we can reduce that shock if we just keep asking questions. Yeah. So yeah. you have uh, something that you shared Wednesday that is the whole. I I just man, I want this everywhere. Um, can you walk us through? your relationship circuitry discussion. Sure. Yeah. So um, I was saying earlier that it's important to make sure that we keep relationships bigger than the problem. And the caveat to that is healthy situations. There are obviously very unhealthy situations where we don't need to be in relationship. But um, if we can keep relationship bigger than the problem, that's golden. And part of that is having a skill called what we call skill zero, um, which is relational circuits. So if you think of your ability to be relational as a circuit board, when we're able to be relational, we're communicating well, all the lights are on, things are going well, and then something happens and that circuit board either dims or it just crashes. And so, um, that's when we need to be paying attention to get the circuit board back on and functioning um, because the relation, our ability to be relational, it's responsible for so much like, you know, in addiction recovery, controlling cravings. Um, It helps us explore new solutions, helps us actually form in groups together and bond Um, It distinguishes, and this comes in handy with trauma, um, distinguishing between current and past events. 
Um, it helps us resolve conflict. And if you think about it, most of the time in my relationship with my husband, we're trying to solve problems when our relational circuits are off. Something has sparked from our relational circuits to go off and we keep going. We keep trying to solve the problem and we're not able to be relational to actually solve it. So um, I've got my notes here. So um, being relational helps us with our willpower, attuning. Can you hear my kids? I'm knocking on the door. <laughs> so I'm going to reiterate something while you tell them <laughs> that you're on the computer. You just said something really cool. I, I used to know a couple where they would get into something when, you know, she was tired or he had just gotten yeah. home from a stressful day. And then they would not let each other rest until it was resolved. They had this determination. They had to keep poking at it. And that did not lead to very fun evenings. <laughs> yeah. Then led to divorce. Well, oh, that was so unnecessary. Yeah. So what you're saying is our relational circuits, we a lot of times we start trying to deal with difficult things when they're already offline for for some reason, tiredness, stress or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. One Moment Wiser will be right back. And then we pushed into overwhelm, which is a different topic. So they were relational circuits off. And then I'm overwhelmed, but we've got to solve it. So let's keep pushing, pushing, pushing. So, um, yeah, it helps you. Relational circuits help you attune as well and reflect and be flexible. Use all your senses to help resolve conflict. Regulate your emotions all the things you need to do when in those situations. So, yeah. Nice. Um, go ahead. No, go ahead. Do you want me to tell you the signs that they're off? <laughs> okay. Um, so there's eight statements that if you answer yes to any of these, your relational circuits are either dim or they're off. Um, so the first one is, I just want to make a problem, a person or a feeling go away. Just Let's just get this over with and move on. Good sign that they're off. Um, I don't want to listen to what others feel or say. My mind is locked on, stuck onto something that's upsetting. Um, I don't want to be connected to an insert someone usually likes. So if I'm in a hard discussion with my husband and I don't want to be with him and I usually like to be connected to him. It's a good sign that they're off. Um, I just want to get away, fight, or freeze. Um, this one is what I see a lot. I more aggressively interrogate blame or try to fix others. If I can just fix you and fix your thinking, then we'll be golden. <laughs> Which is, you know, when we think about these hard conversations that we're having in Reflect Group, uh, when you get into the political conversation with your family at Thanksgiving, you're always trying to fix the other person, right. you know? Um, so yeah. Um, <laughs> the other one, <laughs> number seven is my cravings become huge. And that's, um, I joke that my go-to is fries and a Coca-Cola. So <laughs> 
<laughs> so if we're having a conversation and suddenly you're like, hey, you want to go to Brahms? <laughs> and that's my go-to place. Awesome. <laughs> but oh. that will let me know that we're getting a little overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And the last one is I can't feel appreciation. So, you know, I could, when my relational circuits are on, I could tell you probably 10 stories right offhand of things I appreciate about my husband. But if I can't feel those, if I, if I'm just making a list to make a list, I can't actually engage in that appreciation and the emotion, the feelings of it. It's pretty classic. My relational circuits or for short, sometimes we call them RCs. So my RCs mm -hmm. are off. So, you know, and in a marriage, um, sometimes people, you know, withhold affection because mm -hmm. they're like, you can't, um, make me feel this way and then try to be lovey, you know, mm -hmm. and that is, um, unfortunately it can lead to years of loneliness if we don't realize that, that we need to pay attention when the person we care about is offline. We need to pay attention when we're ourselves mm -hmm. are yeah. offline or feeling these things. But we also need to listen and, and look, observe, and pay attention to the signs that someone we care about is offline. Um, yeah. So what do we do? If I all of a sudden am like desperate for brownies, then <laughs> <laughs> when I'm in a conversation with someone, um, then how do, what do we do? to regain ourselves other than just saying, okay, bye. <laughs> Let's agree to disagree. Um, so the quickest way is appreciation. So if you're able to do that together, you're like in graduate school of relational circuits, but if you need to take a break, say, hey, can we step back for 10 minutes and I need to get my relational circuits back on. Or if you guys don't have that language to say, hey, I need a breather and sit and actually engage in appreciation. So when I say engage in appreciation, I don't mean make a list. I'm thankful for the sunshine and I have a house. I have this. I have that. But actually, like, remember a time that Jesus gave you a gift where you can actually, when you re-engage with that story, you can feel the appreciation come up. Or um, I remember there's this time when we had guests over to our house and I'm not a clean freak, but my husband knows when we have people over that I'm always a little bit more on edge about that. And the current house we were in, the floors would just get terribly dirty. And I was just spiraling and I look over and my husband is on his hands and knees scrubbing the floor. Oh, and it, and it, so <laughs> no, I know. And it wasn't that he was cleaning is that he saw me. Yeah. You know, he saw what I needed. He saw he was serving me. So oh. if I can sit and actually engage in that story and even the feelings that you're expressing to me right now, re-engage them myself. Now, if I were to go, I remember that time that Josh cleaned the floors and that was great. I'm not actually engaging in the story. So if I can engage in the appreciation, that's the quickest way to get them back on. Mm. So there are also some different tapping and exercises you can do. So I love these. So um, I do them three times each. I don't know if there's a science behind the three. It's just what I do. So um, there's a tapping. And so when you breathe in, you tap. 
And then when you exhale, you massage. And then we say out loud, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you, O Lord. So we go, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you, O Lord. When I'm afraid, I will trust in you, O Lord. When I'm afraid, I will trust in you, O Lord. Mm, I love that. Although probably I would be saying, man, the wrath of man does not create God's righteousness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something I've had to remind myself of many, many times. Yeah. Um, I'm not normally an angry person, but I am kind of a control. I, well, I, I have been in the past kind of a controlling person. And thankfully, my husband and God have helped me with that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. So there's that, actually, I, I can't awesome. remember the study, but there was actually a study in Canada where they, with um, special needs adults, they would do these and they would do like a poem or a rhythm of saying afterwards. And that it was the words that also helped with the tapping. Definitely. So we put a scripture in there. And so yeah, the word does not return void and, right. and we can have our, you know, minds full of scripture, but saying it, breathing it out, praying it mm -hmm. um, just does. I mean, God knows psychology. He made us and we are fascinating. We still yeah. haven't figured out all the cool triggers that he planted in us um, that can help us thrive. And that it's mm -hmm. neat that you shared that with us. So yeah. the tapping and as it with a deep breath. Yeah. And then the letting out with a scripture and a massage. Oh, mm -hmm. how can you beat it? Yep. So yeah. What else do you so do? there are two more. There's a yawning one, and do it to the side just so if you're with someone, you're not yawning in their face. But <laughs> <sighs> when I'm afraid, I will trust in you, O oh Lord. And if you can't get it, you a real yawn, you can like move your chin a little bit and it'll kind of engage a yawn for you so and then the last one is my absolute favorite but it scares everybody else so I'm pretty sure I'm the only one that loves it but if you've <laughs> ever seen it. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it because people are like eh. um and my <laughs> warning is if you're driving right now don't be scared about what I'm about to do or don't tell your friend about it while they're driving because it will scare them I did do that to my husband. And don't do it while your hands are supposed to be on the wheel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's That's called so the moral scary. reflex. So if you have ever seen a baby just like, that's actually resetting their nervous system. So um, that's what we do. We go, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you, O Lord. When I'm afraid, I will trust in you, O Lord. So actually pull the arms back you can't see my arms here but pull them back and i even get the tension because that pulls and helps that tension that's in my chest so that's my favorite i usually I, will go to i'll excuse myself to go to the bathroom to do that one the yawning one you can do it in the middle of conversation people don't know you're resetting your system <laughs> but that one i usually go to the bathroom for mm. I like that though. I actually um, discovered a few years ago when I, I was actually concerned that I was, you know, maybe having heart problems or something. And then I, I realized that what was happening was I would 
go faster and faster and faster and faster and get tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. And my chest would just be like a fist. And when I recognize that, I pull back and I breathe and, you know, that kind of thing. And it's it's made a world of difference. And my, my brother's a massage therapist. So he's the one that first helped me to realize just how tight I was from holding like that all the time. And, um, I, I like that. And the, the whole, like, you know, breath thing and letting it out really does do that that thing where relaxation specialists tell you, you know, tense everything up and then slowly let it out. That kind of does it all in an instant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fantastic. I love that. That's how I do some resting practices and by tensing up my whole body and then touching to tell myself to calm down. Nice. And so that actually helps you uh, ignore the craving for Coke and fries because I'm like (laughs) kind of impressed. (laughs) If if I'm using it as a a way to not deal with my pain or – then yes but if it's just i want there are definitely times i just want french fries <laughs> i gotcha so um, well, you know, hey, they, french fries can be had yeah one of the things they teach in thrive is that we use what we call beeps to um, deal with pain and not stay connected in our pain so we say beeps are behaviors events experiences people or substances that we use to deal with pain instead of staying connected to God, others, and ourselves. So those three healthy relationships that he's designed for us to have. And so um, in the recovery program that I worked in, once in a while, the ladies would look at me and go, Kara, beep, beep. It's like, yep, I've got a beep going on right now. I'm gonna deal with it, I promise. So, you know, that's, that's one thing um, we talked about stepping away and sometimes, uh, you know, in stepping away, what people do is they find someone else to vent to about the person they're having the trouble with. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, I'm sure can be useful in some situations, but that's not always uh, best for the friendship, but it's also not always, um, best for us when we take Mm -hmm. a moment to say lord why is this bothering me so much Mm -hmm. um you know i've i've had to to go why god is why am i feeling this way i don't like this it's ugly you know Mm -hmm. and kind of find the root and ask god to heal that spot and the only way we do that is by actually taking that time to to ask the questions of ourselves you know, yeah. having difficult conversations isn't always with other people, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Staying connected. Yeah. So, yeah. And that would so, be the going to people instead of staying connected for sure. And even like, so joy is knowing that someone is glad to be with you. And so in that pain, what you just described is in your pain, if we can connect with Jesus because he's glad to be with with us when we're angry, when we're sad, when we feel shame. He's glad to be with us. And um, that's the first, like, if something was triggered that was actually wrong, yeah, sure. 
but staying connected. Jesus is glad to be with us. So let's return to joy and let's work through that in a joyful relationship. So. Mm. And when we do that, we, we can remember who we are yeah. because sometimes, especially when we're dealing with people from our past, you know, people in our family who've known us all our lives, um, people, you know, from high school or from, from older times in our lives, being around them can trigger us to go back to some of those behaviors and yeah. those ways of interacting and those feelings and reminding ourselves of our relationship with Jesus, you know, refocusing, Lord, hey, you're here. Oh, it's nice to have you here. Um, yeah. Helps remind us who we are today, that they may not have seen the transition, but we are a different person today than we were, you know, 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Yeah, for sure. Let's have the emotional maturity to live in that identity, even if they don't have the maturity to recognize it. If you're enjoying this podcast, tune in next week to hear more. I'm Christy Bridges, and I teach Christians how to become authors because God speaks to different people through our unique voices. Visit me at onemomentwiser.com. That's the number one, momentwiser.com.